Get ready for the Very Visible Business Podcast with David Averin. Each week featuring a candid and raucous conversation with some of the most innovative, outspoken, and entrepreneurial business minds in the world today. This is the Very Visible Business Podcast, and here's David Averin. And thank you. Welcome to the Very Visible Business Podcast. I'm David Averin, and today is like nothing you've ever heard before. Uh, this is probably the only podcast with a parental warning. If you are overly sensitive, then get over it because uh, you need to hear what's going on today. If you're overly sensitive, then then you've got a bigger problem than worrying about what's going to be said on a podcast. I have the great fortune today to be talking to my friend and colleague, Larry Wingett. Larry is known as the, uh, the king of common sense, the world's only irritational speaker and the pit bull of personal development. Let me read as quick, at least just highlights from the bio, and we'll jump into this as well. Because I'm old, I'll put my glasses on here. Uh, Larry Wingett, of course, best-selling author, television personality, social commentator, internationally acclaimed Hall of Fame speaker. He's hosted uh, his own television series on A&E, two CNBC specials, regular contributor on Fox News, Fox Business. You can see him all the time. He's also been on Dr. Phil, Today's Show, uh, The Big Idea, Larry King. Uh, Even more so, he is a six-time legitimate Legitimate New York Times and Wall Street Journal best-selling author, not the person who was the uh, bestseller on Amazon in a sub-sub-category at 2 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. Uh, this guy's legit. Um, his books, you might know some of them. Uh, the, the landmark, Shut Up, Stop Whining, and Get a Life. You're broke because you want to be. It's called Work for a Reason. I love the uh, the parenting book, which is uh, your, your kids are your own damn fault. And his newest book, which I am halfway through on my nightstand right now, is what's wrong with damn near everything, how the collapse of core values is destroying us, and how to fix it. Larry, thanks for joining us here today. Wow. After hearing that introduction, I can't wait to hear what I got to say. I was going to say, you sound pretty damn impressive, don't you? <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see how that bears out. Anybody. Don't ask me anything too tough here. No, we won't. What's, uh, what's going on in your life right now? You know, it's good to be Larry Wingett. That's what I tell folks every day. It's good to be me. You know, I, I always have uh, just enough going on to keep me interested. And uh, I've become awful selfish these days. I do pretty much what I damn want to do that makes me happy, too. So I do a lot of that. Well, and you've earned the right to do so. Larry has, uh, he is that guy, I will tell you, in, in, the, in the formative years of my speaking, I had the, the, the privilege of, of seeing Larry not only in front of the National Speakers Association, but other times as well. And there, there's something about the ball, something about the chutzpah to, uh, to get up there and say what needs to be said. And, and at, at the risk of sounding like I'm fawning, which, which I am, I think, to a, a bit um, admit to a small man crush, that uh, it's a voice that I think needs to be, to be heard today. Uh, tell, tell, tell everybody who's listening, those who are watching on the video version of this, um, what's, what's the, the Larry Wingett um, methodology? What's the mindset? What, to what do you attribute the success that you've had? You know, a CEO asked me the other day, and I, I hate to do those calls with CEOs before you go speak to them. And he said, Larry, just sum up everything you do in one sentence. And I said, I say what you'd like to say, but your HR department won't let you say. And he goes, that's it. You're hired. Yeah. But isn't that what you're hired for? Aren't yeah, you the guy? I, I sit in the back when I watch you speak and I think, the CEO, the, in many cases, and I'm just going to say this, the gutless CEO is sitting in the bathroom with his arms folded going, everybody better be listening to him because you're saying the things that they need to hear. They know 
know they need to hear. And he doesn't have the balls to say. They don't have the balls to say it themselves. <laughs> you know, I can sum up 30 years, and I've been doing this now 30 years. I can sum it all up, um, all those years on the stage and all those bestsellers and everything that I've ever written and recorded and everything into one sentence. And that is that life's your own damn fault. What I do is remind people life's your own damn fault. Your results are your own fault. That's why you write books like you're broke because you want to be. People go, oh, no, no, I'm not. Yeah, you are. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, I say you're fat because you want to be and you're stupid because you want to be. I say all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I stand on stage and say, if your employees suck, it's because as a manager, you suck. And right. uh, I lay it all out for them. And people love to argue that, and they push back from it. But if they'll just take one moment that long and be honest with themselves, uh, they'll realize I'm right. So I just point that out. What I do is hold this mirror of stupidity up to people so they can see themselves in it. We are, we're in an interesting time, aren't we? Where I, I think... I in terms of a societal shift and the pendulum swinging, um, we're getting very touchy feeling. And listen, and, and I will admit to being an emotional guy. I am a savvy yeah. dad. I tackle my children. I chew on their ears. I, I, I cry I at movies too. People wouldn't, I cry people wouldn't at, think right. about the two of us. I cry at coffee commercials. Oh, he came home from college. and <laughs> didn't tell anybody he was coming. But here's the reality. It's gone to such an extent, and because you and I have been in the speaker role for a long time, and there's the motivational speaker colleagues, and some of them, listen, bless their hearts, there's great friends, very powerful messages, but there's so much that's trite. And here's something that you and I share, and, and I love this, is this, this revulsion for stupid memes. Oh um, my and, God. And so one of them that you were talking about the other day, and, and we can talk about that, um, I can't remember, but the one that gets me the most, and I get pushback in my my sweetheart says, don't stop, don't, don't, you don't need to offend everybody. And listen, I, I, I'm not being you and I'm not trying to be you, but I'm, but I'm opinionated. But the one that gets me the most is the meme that says, <laughs> that says everything you want is on the other side of fear. And I'm like, really? I think everything you want is on the other side of hard work. Yeah. You know, that's, I take on uh, the, the secret a lot in my speech, you know, because I tell people that the secret, which is the biggest load of crap ever put on paper, the book Agreed. says what you think about and talk about comes about. And I say, no, what you think about, talk about, and get off your ass and do something about what comes about. Hard work changes things. Action changes things. People talk about mindset. The hell with mindset. Go to work. Your mind right. will follow your actions. But those memes, the one I got off on this, this last week was the one that says, uh, uh, always follow your heart. It's oh, yeah. never wrong. <laughs> it's never wrong. That was the best part. Really? I mean, seriously, your heart led you into every stupid relationship decision you ever made. I had a previous wife. Most people did. My heart told me that was a great decision. My brain was saying, you better stop and think about this a minute. And so I think we need to tell people to rely on logic. You know, we live in a society right now that embraces emotion more than it does logic. And right. we don't follow good sense anymore. And as long, you know, we're telling entrepreneurs, I go on all these entrepreneur podcasts. I love to go on them just to bust the bubble. And they right. say, Larry, what do you, give me some good advice for an entrepreneur. I said, keep your day job and don't become one. Uh, and they always go, what? But, but there's freedom in being an entrepreneur. Oh, crap. No, there isn't. There's, there's pressure. no freedom. Crushing pressure. Your, your life belongs to everybody but you. If you want freedom, right. get a government job. <laughs> yeah, except, you know, when it's shut down. 
Oh, I agree. But, but along the same lines, <clears throat> and I think we're very much in alignment, and I don't know that every podcast is good when guests are in alignment. I, I don't mind some conflict as well. But the whole issue around passion, and you and I are very much the same in that. I, I have a, a, whole, a whole article I wrote, Passion, the, the Leading Cause of Business Failure. Yep. And people will challenge me. And I'm saying it's not in lieu of passion. I'm not saying don't be passionate. But when you rely on passion, that's not the reason to get into something. That's the reason to get up in the morning. The reason to do yeah. a business... Right. The reason to do business is because you have something of value that somebody's willing to pay you to provide. It's an exchange of values at that point. We've right. gotten out of the exchange of value, but we've gotten into your passion thing. I tell people, and that's something I do sometimes in my speeches, I said, okay, let's say you're lying in bed in the hospital and you need a quadruple bypass. And they bring in two doctors and say, we're going to let you pick your doctor. Now, here's doctor number one. He, oh, my God, he loves to do surgery. He can't wait <laughs> to the hospital in the morning to crack chest open and remove the, he, he loves it. He's passionate about it. Now, doctor two over here, he hates to do it. He'd rather do anything in the world than have to cut somebody open. But when he does... He works so hard to make sure that patient stays on. Hates to do it, though. I'm just telling you. He, he doesn't want to do your surgery. Pick one. Yeah. Nobody picks <laughs> Dr. Passion. No. They don't. And once again, like, like I said, it's not in lieu of passion. I think if you like what you do, then I think what you've got is alignment in your life. But we have so many, especially in our world, in the speaking world, and of course, our audience is, is vast beyond the speaking world, but there's so much Mis, uh, misinformation and poor guidance given to somebody yeah. says, you need to go tell your story. No, you don't. You need to feed your family. Yeah. And if the two, if the two meet Nirvana, but, uh, but work is called work. I mean, you have, what you, don't you have the book work is called work for a reason. Yeah, it's called work for a reason. That's the title. Of the book. Yeah, it's called work. Right. Cause we don't say, you know, Oh God, it's getting late. I got to be at play at eight o'clock tomorrow morning. No, and I, you know, with people who say you got to love what you do, and you know, there's that old quote, I think it was by John Ruskin, that says, love what you do and you'll never work a day in your life. Right. Well, I think that's only said by people who aren't working very hard. Right. Because I believe if you're really working hard, there's going to be a lot of time during any given day. You're not loving what you do. You know, I say from the stage, I hate what I do for a living, and everybody's eyes get real big. And I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't get confused. This is not what I really do for a living. No. I on a stage maybe 75 hours a year. That's it. You know, but you got to do 75 hours on a stage when you're a keynoter like I am. It's, it's 150 to 200 days a year on the road. Right. And I hate and, and in the office, being on the road. And in the office getting the gig, right? Right. Yeah. The, business, the business is not speaking. The business is getting the gig. Sure. And so, getting to the gig and getting home from the gig no. and making sure your books show up for the gig and all that sort of stuff. The hour on stage, damn, we can almost sleep through that. Right. Well, we talked before we got on the air here because I, I have a, a big international schedule this year. And there's times where I will travel 30 plus hours to get to yeah. an event where I'll speak for one hour and maybe 28 hours on the way back, depending on which way around the world. Uh, that's what they're paying for. People are like, you make how much? money for an hour? It's not for an hour. It's for everything else that we do and it's for the value that we provide. Let me ask you another question. Along the same lines, we, there, there's a lot of prognosticators, a lot of big fans of Simon Sinek and others as well. But what do you think about this whole uh, admonition that, that customers need to know your why? Like, <laughs> why you're doing what you do? And I think I know the answer and I think we're in alignment, but I would, lo I would love your answer. You know, I did a speech for a bunch of contractors uh, 
few months back and the person on right before me, she loves cynic and it was all about your why. And uh, she said, you know, when you go on stage, I want to ask you the question, what your why is. And I said, why don't we start it off that way? I never open up my keynotes. I've got a way I've done it for 30 years away. I said, sure. well, we're going to switch it up today. So when I went on stage, I said, I never opened with a question, but I'm going to let her ask the question. She said, okay, Larry, I want to know what is your why? I said, to get paid. I there do this to get paid, period. No other reason. You think I give a damn whether your life changes or not? I don't. I don't believe I can change the world. I don't believe I can change your business. I got into self-help to help myself. I do this because I'm good at it. I work at being good at it. And I did it so I can take home a big fat check, take care of my family, buy the shit I want to buy. And that's why I do it. And the whole audience got about that big. And I said, and don't kid yourself. That's why every single one of you go to work too. And I said, right. stop thinking about it. Somebody tell me you don't go to work for the pay. You do it. You love it so much, you do it for free. Bull. And they all went, yeah. And I said, so who's right, her or me? And they all went, right. what the hell with you, Larry? And, and that's how I opened. The poor thing, she came up at the end, and she said, well, I didn't know you were going to be quite that tough on me. I said, you're the one who asked to ask the question. <laughs> right. But, but they know why they hire you. And you said, I guarantee you, they all come from the, And I guarantee you not one of them left the room. And that's part of your brand that's part of your um your your reputation as well is, is saying what needs to be said we're talking to larry wingett uh the pit bull of personal development the the king of common sense um he, i've heard you speak as well um from a branding perspective yeah though uh, of the of the idea and the importance of originality we know brand is it's your reputation who are you? What do people think in, uh, at, at the mention of your name? What do they, what do they remember yeah. about you? I'm not going to get into the feelings and all that as well. Um, talk to me about the whole idea of originality. I think your, your success, your notoriety in business. And, and for those who know Larry, this isn't an act. This isn't who you are on stage and off stage. And yeah. the interesting dichotomy is not only are you the guy who says what it is, but you are rooted in, in morality and ethics. And you are that guy that, that legitimate and authentic and it doesn't mean you're raking people over the coals they're paying you to to show that part of it but yeah. and i don't mean to answer it for you but but um talk to talk about personal brand talk about how you have differentiated and, and, and that core of authenticity well i do believe everything comes down to core values and you got to be consistent all the time and and what you said i appreciate that because I am consistently this way. If you called me at three in the morning and woke me up, I, this is what I'd have to say then too. Right. Uh, it never changes. And uh, I, I do believe that your brand is based on what other people say about you. It's not your color. It's not what font you use. It's not what your logo looks like. And I think right. people approach branding completely wrong. It's that you, the branding is based on you being in control and being consistent and in alignment, so there is never a time that you're not out of alignment, so everything that goes on around you, what audiences are saying, the reason I get called to be on TV so much, when they pick up my book, there's one consistent message, and the audience is not confused, and that's what the brand is then built around. You, you know, it's that old story about, you know, if you buy a quarter pounder in uh, Muscogee, Oklahoma, and one in Lisbon, they're gonna taste exactly the same. That's what yep. brand Yes, it's the same all the time. And the idea of originality, boy, in our industry, the speaking industry, the writing industry, that's gone. You know, what bothers me the most are all these people who call themselves thought leaders today. 
right. and yet they've never had an original thought. And, right. and, and they're calling themselves the thought leader, which is, which is even, even more ironic. Yeah. And I proudly say that I'm a thought follower. And, and I know you're the same. I've read uh, 5,000 books in the last 35 years. I read all the time. And people who do what I do and you do and right. all of our buddies, we are avid readers, which means we're trying to get as much knowledge and information from as many sources as we possibly can because, frankly, I'm fascinated at the stupidity of what's being written, but I'm also fascinated at some of the brilliant thought that's being written. But you have to be a student of that, which means you follow the thoughts of brilliant minds. And right. But I was going to say, but, but don't we also synthesize it? I mean, it has to come out. Everything that we, we espouse on stage or any wisdom that, that someone incorporates into their business and the decisions and the strategies that they employ is a result of everything. They filtered it through their own um, particular mindset, worldview, and they espouse, they enact it. Yeah. And regardless of how much you've read from others, what comes out is, is uniquely Larry Wingett. And identifiable as Larry Wingett and people who want you want they want Larry Wingett and they know what they're gonna get yeah and and I think what we have to tell people who are wanting to do what we do is that I don't expect people to have a lot of original thought I mean it's hard there's right. pretty much anything right. anybody wants to say has been said but you can at least find an original way to express your thoughts and uh, I, I've been fortunate to have the ability to express what I believe and have synthesized in an original way. And that's uh, what I've capitalized on and I'm very much in control of. And it was a very much a targeted effort to make sure the consistency of the message was always there. From the memes that I post, to the books that I write, to the speeches that I give, to the little videos that I shoot, it's one consistent message. Right. There, but there's companies and organizations who may be consistent, but I think one of the biggest problems that I see in business, I would like your thoughts on this, is this idea of, of we're so hypersensitive about offending anyone. And this isn't about, uh, about taking offense. This is about business. And I think the problem is when you, when you work hard not to offend, right, it, we're, we're, we're playing defense, what you end up doing is, is taking your business, your value proposition through the defluverizer right? Then you're no longer special or remarkable or anything. You don't try and be all things to all people. You don't, you don't need to be like when somebody goes on Shark Tank and Mr. Wonderful says, um, so who's your audience? They say everyone, eh, wrong answer, yeah. right? You don't have enough money to market to everyone when you are the right choice for everyone. It's like the same thing. You get everybody in a room. If everybody agrees, there's nothing remarkable. You don't worry about those who don't agree because you don't need to please everyone. You just need to please enough people to make the living that you want. Exactly. And I, you know, years ago, I was at Scott McCain's wedding and uh, I was standing talking to a big group of our buddies and this speaker came up behind us, and definitely not a part of my group, tapped me on the shoulder. They had had too much to drink and interrupted us all talking and said, Larry, I'm going to be bigger than you are. I'm going to be more famous than you are, write more bestsellers than you do get paid more than you and went on and on and on, just making an ass of themselves. And I turned around, kind of looked him up and down and I said, for you, it ain't ever gonna happen. And they looked at me and said, why not? Everybody loves me. And I said, exactly. That's, That's your ever gonna happen. Yeah. You know, we try to make everyone happy and see, I don't believe that you can truly have rabid fans. And I have rabid fans. 
Uh, I don't think you can have rabid fans unless you are willing to have rabid enemies. You must be divisive at some level to have some people. And here's what's fascinating. We all know the stories about Howard Stern, where the people who hate him will listen to the whole three hours, and the people who are truly his fans turn off of his podcast after an hour. I have people right. who absolutely hate what I do. I know when I, I can go on my Amazon pages and see the one stars. But, you know, they buy everything that I put out. You, you've got to have people who hate you enough to still buy your stuff. And what I said a while ago is certainly true. I'm in this to make a living. I'm in it to get paid. And if I have to have people who hate me to do it, I'm good with that. Right. But, but to be clear, you're not setting out to make anybody hate you. You're, you're saying what needs to be said and not everybody wants to hear it. I learned early in my career, and I've been speaking for 20 years, that when I, when I stopped worrying about being like, we all want to be like, we all want to be successful, um, I'm, I'm funny on stage, but when I, when I stopped worrying about that and, and made sure that I, that I delivered profound value, that I told them something they needed to hear or something in a, in a way they hadn't thought about it before and sparked something, even if I made them uncomfortable, and speaking to the CEO roundtable groups, we used to say, like, if you don't walk out with a little of a vistage headache, you haven't been challenged sufficiently. The scores went through the roof. The, the, the phone call, the, you know, the phone started ringing. But it, it wasn't trying to be um, provocative for the sake of provocative. But we see no. that in culture, don't we? We see a lot of people trying to be outrageous because they think that's the path, as opposed to um, authenticity or authentically delivering value. And sometimes it's what they don't want to hear. You know, I, I get a lot of people who kind of over the years have tried to mimic my style and so right. forth. And one guy sent me his video and said, look, Larry, I'm becoming more like you every day. I said, no, you're just an asshole. There's a big difference between being an asshole and your, your assholeness is, a, is an act. And it shows up as an act. And my level of authenticity, everybody knows this is not an act for me. But we... We try to modify the act for the audience. I don't modify the act for anybody. And uh, because it's not an act, I don't know how to do it any other way. Right. But I think that's what pays off in the long run. And you're going to lose some people along the way. But if you focus on the people you lose, if you even focus on the people you make happy, you've made a mistake. People ask me all the time, how do you, what's your goal when you go on stage? Is it to make the audience like you? I, I don't give a damn whether they like me or not. I know when I've done a good job. And I know, and if I make Larry Wingett happy when I've been on stage or when I write a book, it's a good day for me. And what makes me happy is to know that I worked hard, I brought value, I made a few people laugh, I made most of the audience think whether they like what I made them think about or not. For me, that tells me I've done good and I'm happy when I've done good, but it's my standard, not theirs. Right. And, and that's why you're in demand for what you do. I'm going to make a little bit of a shift, but, but sort of on the same trip. Sure. I want to talk about changes in business and maybe sort of the vanillization um, word I just made up. Somebody hashtag that um, uh, business that I think has, has opened the door for this massive influx of disruption. Now, the futurists and the prognosticators, they love to talk disruption, but the disruption, I mean, really, I think in a lot of cases, just innovation. People looking at better yeah. ways of doing what we've done for a long time. There's a lot of, you know, industries who are caught off guard. I guarantee you the, uh, the taxi didn't anticipate, oh, by the way, every car around you is now a taxi. Yeah. But that came from complacency, didn't it? Yeah. And what makes us complacent, um, yeah, there are a lot of things, but I think it's our own success that usually doesn't. Right. And uh, I think success is the biggest enemy of success. That once it 
you know, Joe Callaway, our buddy Callaway, yep. says, if you're successful today, I'm giving him complete credit for the line, and it's in his new book. If you're successful uh, right now, it means you know what works today. That's right. all. You know what works today. Uh, but if you become complacent and only focus on what's working today and get so caught up in your success, I'll guarantee, I love when Bezos the other day said, there will come a time when Amazon will go bankrupt and out of business. Now, I'm sure people are saying, how the hell is that ever going to happen? He's smart enough to know that there will come that time. And we all have to look at our business, I believe, in that way. We have to start disrupting, and that's just the new buzzword. It's been around. Right. Right, absolutely. Buzzwords at every level. But we all have to start looking at our own businesses and keep doing what makes us uncomfortable. Keep pushing the boundaries of our own uh, uh, complacency. Talk about some of the behaviors that you see. Um, as I, I mean, clearly, you have your message. You deliver it in a way that, that is, um, that's palpable and uncomfortable. But mm -hmm. talk to me how your core message has changed um, in regard to what's happened over the last 10 years, how we do business, our easy access to information, our, how much of our, our interactions are, are on our phone and others as well. Yeah. Has that changed the, the core message that you're talking about or just how it's applied in different business models? I think the only thing it did for me was change the delivery system. The message has always stayed the same. I mean, I don't even much change my story. 75% of my speech today is what it was almost 30 years ago. And that's because I don't speak too much about tactics. Uh, I speak more about principles. And I, my whole message for 30 years is getting people back to those right principles, like taking responsibility and flexibility and lighten up and honesty and, and uh, integrity and so on. Be, be a good person, uh, that sort of thing. But the delivery system has changed so much. And I think, you know, it, you, you mentioned Uber and, and the taxi cab business. We didn't change the fact that people go from point A to point B. Right. That core message has not changed. The delivery system did change. And so, yeah, I use a whole lot more social media. I shoot a lot more video. I, I do all the stuff that people are doing these days to keep their business around. But what are we going to do next? What are we doing next? You know, my business has changed from doing nothing but keynotes to doing some keynotes and coaching, keynotes and consulting, uh, putting together a few events where people come in. You do that. I mean, so, but our message hasn't changed. How it reaches people is going to continue to change. And, and, and I want to caution that. So others, once again, we're talking to Larry Wingett, is it as almost dismissive as you talk, I still talk about this, I talk about this, but you do it in a way that resonates. You know the stories that work. You know the ones yeah. I think I think as as I watch you present and I read your books, it, it is as conversational, um, as relevant, and I and I try to 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 model that as well in, in my work. But I think it's a, I think it's a lot about people self-identifying. Do they have to see themselves in the scenarios that you present? Um, that uncomfortable part that says, Yikes, is that me? Am I living yeah. in that in that state of denial? And what do I need to go back? You know, this, you're not the motivational, you know, you want to let's lift people up. Let's make them your, your material from my perspective is designed to have lasting impact to keep you up at two o'clock in the morning to be fodder for discussions among the team following your, your presentation or your books to say, how are we falling into these traps? Yeah, I appreciate you recognizing that. And that is my goal of what I do. You know, what you said, a uh, 
and I, I was having a discussion with my buddies recently about relevance. And I said, the problem is too many people think relevance is watering down their message so it applies to everybody. And that doesn't work for me. I'm never going to water down my message. If you don't want to hire me, please go hire somebody else. Uh, but my message can stay the same as long as I make my message their message. What you said, nobody cares about your story unless they see themselves in it. So my, my examples change. You know, for years I was known for a Radio Shack story. Well, I guess eventually my Radio Shack story put them out of business. So that right. story doesn't work anymore. So my references change. My examples change. And I think one of the mistakes that so many people, not just people in our business, but in any business, they're not current. They're, they're not paying attention to what's going on. And they don't know how to relate what they do to the pains that people are going through today. You know, we relate to each other based on pain. Sales is based on pain. When I understand the pain you're dealing with, recognize the problem that causes that pain, and then present my solutions in such a way that you can go, wow, I think that would work with me. That's almost impossible to ignore and impossible to say no to. You know, people in the, in the business, and it doesn't matter which business you're in, but it certainly works for us, they try to make their ideas easy to say yes to. My approach is to become impossible to say no to. And the way you do that is just have it make so much sense that even though they hate you for saying it, they can't argue with it. We are very much in I, certainly as I talk customer experience and, and those things that, that annoy, those things that drive customers away. And so many of them uh, innocuously. I mean, I think that designing their systems and processes to be predictable to let's 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 interview staff let's let's check their background let's check their judgments let's have conversations and then immediately neuter them so that they quote policy and 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 part of what i try and do of course is to sort of uh take the blinders off put a magnifying glass into some of those years and how they're being perceived and you were very kind and I'll, and I'll and i'll give you a plug here which is actually honestly giving me a plug as well my new book why customers leave and uh, this, is, this is the galley copy because the uh, hardback's coming up here pretty quickly with the forward by Larry Winget. You were gracious enough to do that. But I think even in your, in your forward, uh, you talked about the whole idea of, of, of the decisions that we make and the behaviors that, that we see exhibit in business. If they are rooted in those core values, it doesn't mean people are trying to annoy people, trying to disrespect people. But I think if we put ourselves in the minds of the customers, why they buy, which as we talked before, has very little to do with why someone sells or why they got into business or what their passion is. Um, but, a, but a big appreciation from me for, uh, for helping out with that. Um, what's, uh, what's next for you? What's next for me? Well, um, hopefully a lot more time on the patio, scratching my bulldogs, talking to my wife, drinking a good bourbon. I have over 300 unique bourbons. Um, I'm about to get my certified bourbon steward uh, which is like being a sommelier in the wine world. And uh, a lot more drinking good bourbon, smoking good cigars, and doing less. You know, I've learned this year that less is more. And uh, you do earn the right to get to this place, and I've earned that right. And so I'm going to enjoy my time a whole lot more and only do the deals I want to do. You know, I had a conversation with our, our mutual friend, Larry Cal or Joe Calloway, sorry, Joe Calloway about that as well, and saying his goal was to speak less every year for the rest of his life yeah. and to be able to spend time with his beautiful family as well. Listen, I end all of these uh, podcasts here, the Very Visible Podcast, with um, uh, just quick speed rounds, so quick answers to this. Sure. Number one, what, what gives you hope? 
I tell you, the kids give me hope. Uh, we trash millennials a lot, and I actually think that two thirds of them are doing a hell of a job. Yeah, and uh, and fortunate to uh, to have have sired a few of those. Uh, what gives you pleasure? What do you love to do? Uh, I love spending time with my grandkids. I'm a good pop. I was a good daddy, but I'm better at being pop. Aspire to that as well. Um, and you know, which actually led me to the other question, which I had here. So uh, we're on the same. What's the best part about being a grandfather? You know, I think that they mostly go home. <laughs> We've heard that as well. Yeah. When they get cranky, you can hit them. You get the best parts, but you got to hand them back at, at the end. Yeah, and I got three little grandsons, you know, four, six, and eight. And goodness gracious, can we have a big time. It's the best time of all. For those interested in more information, look them up at Larry Winget com W-I-N-G-E-T. Uh, so many books. Uh, if, if someone is, is just starting in business, they're struggling in business, what's, what's the best one in that big uh, library of works that you've produced? What's, what's the uh, recommendation? Well, the business issue, uh, and it's really, I think, probably the best book I've wrote, it would be, it's called Work for a Reason. Not Work for a Reason, it's called Work for a Reason. It's the title of the book. I think it's a solid business book that addresses everything most people are gonna deal with. And, uh, and read it, and, and I love it as well. I, like, I, love, I love your new one. The, uh, I'm gonna get this right. Um, the, what's, what's wrong with damn near everything? Yeah, and I, and I put it on my, on my, night, my nightstand, and, and Laurel's like, what is that? I'm like, it's just, it, it, you're one of those people that I aspire to this as well, is that I can hear your voice when I read it. Yeah, and there's some people who, read, who write for the ear more than for the page, and I think you're that guy. I appreciate that. You know, I wrote those six uh, first bestsellers trying to tell people exactly what to do to move from where they are to where they ought to be. And then I realized that nobody was really doing any of that. And so it came back, you can't make bad people do good things. We've got to teach people to be good people, and we've got to exploit the goodness within them and show them how it shows up in every area of their life. And that's what this book is all about. It's you know, about a lot of people. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no I was it's about say, the core values. If you're a good person, you'll eventually do the right thing. It may take you longer, but you've got to be the good person. For right. and, and sometimes you need a, a kick in the butt as well. Um, there's a lot of people who call themselves life coaches or business coaches. Honestly, you want to improve your business. Uh, come up. You're looking for a speaker. You're looking for a coach. You want somebody who tell your people the things that they really need to hear. Look them up, LarryWinget.com. Larry, thanks so much for, uh, for taking you, some time. I appreciate it. It was fun. Absolutely. Hey, listen, uh, be sure to click to subscribe to the Very Visible Business Podcast. We're on C-Suite Radio. We're on iTunes and Stitcher everywhere as well. If you want to learn more about me, go to davidaverin.com and, uh, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. For past and future episodes, be sure to subscribe at theveryvisiblebusiness.com. You can also learn more about David Averin's keynote speaking and consulting at visibilityinternational.com. Connect with us on social media and check out David Averin's latest book, Visibility Marketing at amazon.com. This has been the Very Visible Business Podcast with David Averin. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.